Warning, this podcast contains adult language and is not suited for children. Welcome back, everybody. I'm really looking forward to this one. I We spend a lot of time here at the Squared Circle Sit Down going over what just happened. What happened in the last week, sometimes the last month, uh, last couple of weeks, what's about to happen. But this one's going to be a little different. This one's more about us and why we're interested in wrestling and it's a bit of an opportunity for drake and myself who am i i'm joe hi um just to talk about the world of wrestling in a different way a bit more of a personal way and we thank you again for joining us on whatever podcast platform you're joining us on that's uh we're available on anchor stitcher spotify apple and google podcasts also over on youtube if you want to find us at squared circle sit down give us any type of feedback you want we appreciate it if you'd comment or like share and subscribe and hopefully with these episodes we're going to give you more that you can interact with us with because these are topics to think about topics that you'll probably have an opinion on as well or at least some type of maybe even a hot take and we'd love to hear it you know become part of that conversation with us and uh, you can also reach out to us over on Twitter at Squared Circle SD. We'd really appreciate it. We'd love to hear from you. And so, Drake, yeah, first one of these. We're getting to it, finally. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for it. Uh, we've talked about doing it for a little while. We were looking for a way to make that work. And I think this change in format is a really good opportunity to do so. One of the things that I know when we first started, uh, I would get the feedback about is like, you know, the two of us are just two people sitting down and talking about wrestling, and wrestling is very much an opinionated thing, right? It's hard to name anything as, like, functionally the best or the right way to do things, because there's so many different ways to do that. And so I, I think it's really important that people have an idea about who we are and what we like and what we dislike and what that means for when we talk about all of the things we talk about, whether it's complaining about WWE or praising AEW or the occasional twist of the two or anything else. Yeah. So this week, this time out, we're going to start with something pretty surface level, right? Like this is about, well, uh, let's step back before I even get to that. It's, I think we both consider ourselves fans of professional wrestling, right? I think that's a fair statement to make. We've both wrestling. been following it. Wrestling, <laughs> isn't that scripted? Yeah, well, totally. It's it's fake, right? It's fake. That's the word to use. <laughs> <laughs> that won't piss anyone off. But we've both been following it for 20 plus years now. Yeah. So <laughs> we've seen our fair share of the goods and the bads and the faces and the heels and the swerves and the absolute crap and some of the most amazing moments ever so uh we we have enough experience watching it and talking about it and now talking about it with each other so to say like hey yeah we kind of know what we're talking about as a fan of professional wrestling but like what does it mean to be a fan of professional wrestling and that's kind of what the topic is here of well you cheer for people you cheer for faces you boo heels sometimes you cheer for heels you follow people sometimes you will stop watching one show and start watching another because somebody moved from one show to another or hopped from one company to another or unfortunately now there's budget cuts all over the place but what does that mean like why are you a fan 
of somebody why are you a fan of a particular wrestler like is it the style is it the look is it you know what is it about that that draws you to them and is it is that something that lots of wrestlers have that you're a fan of that across the board or is it something more like no that one person in that one specific way just draws me to them and that's a lot i'm not asking you to answer all those questions right now but we can go like down the line of like who are some people you're a fan of and not just you me i'll talk about this too we can go back and forth uh this isn't just joe interviews drake but (laughs) we can do that too but uh we'll get there we'll get there i don't know that would be significantly less interesting i think (laughs) i mean it's an interesting perspective right like deep dive on what makes this interesting at least to you or to us or to anybody listening who wants to chime in so you know we could start from the top of like who are some wrestlers if i said like the course of you watching wrestling we had our topic about mount rushmore of like favorites and i remember you threw out like several names i know personally that you're fans of guys like tetsuya naito you know historically guys like kurt angle stuff like that you know these are people who, you know, I wouldn't say are very similar. Like those two names that I just threw out there, I would not put them in the same conversation besides saying great professional wrestlers. I wouldn't say like, they're very similar at all. So, you know, what are some things like uh, if I throw those names out there or other names that you want to throw out there that you would say like, well, yeah, no, these are people that I'm definitively when I think fans of a wrestler, these are names that pop into your head right away. It's a good question. Uh, so f- there's a lot of pieces that go into answering that. And I, I laughed a little bit because obviously the two names that you picked on purpose were so vastly different from each other. And I think that in order to answer that question, I have to at least a little bit get into the question of what is pro wrestling to me. Right. And for me, pro wrestling is a marriage of, of a lot of moving pieces. Um, you know, there's the athleticism that obviously is inherent to like being a wrestler. You have to, even at, at the absolute worst stage of being in the business, there are things you have to be able to do that normal people just won't really be able to do all the time, right? And you have your exceptions with guys like Kali and whatever, who are, not to, not to throw shade or anything, but just are gifted in other ways that allow them to present as a specific character versus just the normal rules of being a pro wrestler. And that's fine. Uh, But wrestling, to me, is this sort of coming together of the ability to portray a character uh, who is constantly sort of evolving and growing, regardless of whether you agree with how they grow or not. Uh, The ability to tell stories both on your own and with other people, and uh, the ability to then take that and translate it into telling stories in a non-verbal format. Because, you know, one of the biggest parts of wrestling is obviously being in the ring, and being in the ring and wrestling someone else is not in and of itself going to be interesting most of the time. The plot, right, the psychology is one of the biggest parts of wrestling. And when it comes to the two names that you've mentioned, and others that I'll go over throughout the course of this episode, I'm sure, and you probably will too, uh, Naito and Kurt Angle both really hit the nail on the head when it comes to understanding how to tell stories without opening their mouths. These guys get in the ring, and regardless of their completely contrasting styles, 
within minutes, you know exactly why they're in there with the person they're in there with. You know what they're trying to accomplish. You know how they're going about it. You understand the roles that they play in the story that they're telling. And that is, to me, probably the most important part. Uh, so for a lot of people who know me and for those who don't, I'm a huge fan of tabletop role-playing games. I like Dungeons and Dragons um, and like uh, Rifts and Shadowrun. Like there's a lot and I'm not going to like start name dropping because we'll be here all night. But my, what really for me does the whole thing when it comes to those games, the, the thing that I enjoy the most is just that organic storytelling, the organic development of characters and plots, seeing interpersonal relationships, how they play out through, again, not necessarily verbal but uh, uh, moments, but through action and the way that you either together or against each other have to resolve those plots. And like I said, I think Tetsuya Naito is maybe the most interesting not counting Cody Rhodes, maybe the most interesting character active in wrestling right now. And I think that while you maybe couldn't say the same about Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle in the more traditional role that he played in pro wrestling, especially at that time, was so good at understanding all of the things I've mentioned. So just to that point with Kurt Angle, and I have more to say about this and we'll get into me more as we go on. But I share a lot of these similarities with you, right? Like, so for Kurt Angle, when you're saying that, is the thing that attracts you to him and and his uh, his role, the fact that he's good at doing this, or is it just that like, no, the role itself is what attracted you to this? Like, it, you know, if you get the nuance between those two things. Yeah, I don't know if you're gonna love my answer, but <laughs> so. My view on wrestling now is very different than it was growing up, right? And that's not to say I wouldn't still fall in love with Kurt Angle, because I absolutely would. But when I was younger, uh, I was very much in love with the idea of the technical wrestler, right? Uh, the suplexes in particular were always, like, a big thing for me. Uh, being able to get on the mat and just outwork your opponent and understand what they were going to do and why they were going to do it and how you were going to beat them and... and Kurt Angle was really good at that. And so he, I guess, I guess uh, uh, the best way to answer your question would be that he took the first of what you're saying, just the role itself, and kind of shifted it to the more nuanced idea of how to fill it. Totally cool. Works for me because one of the things for me is the, the detail orientation of things where I love uh finely crafted finely tuned details i've said numerous times on this that this is the in-between place right wrestling's fairly unique when it comes to that of this isn't strictly storytelling like this isn't a soap opera but it is um but it, this isn't sports but it is where you can have stories in sports but they don't always work out the way you expect them to like you can't craft the story itself like you could have the lovable underdog team that just gets crushed in finals uh, against the, the, the juggernaut team that's just plowing through everybody. I feel called out here as a Mets fan. I, it's fair. You know, like you 
see it all over the place. And I'm sure lots of sports fans have seen this happen repeatedly where you can't just craft that automatically they're going to win. Like sometimes they don't even make the playoffs. It happens. And then, but it does make those years when they do win all the more special. Whereas on the flip side, like uh, the soap opera, you can telegraph these things coming a mile away because the story beats are very similar to other stories that have been told. And in wrestling, it's this, uh, I wrote down a thing as you were talking, like it's like the athletic stories told in real time because these are real people who are living real lives. They are their characters, but it's also, it is a soap opera, but it's also athletics. So it's all of the above. And it's really awesome when somebody or even the creative team and what they put into a role nails all of those elements at the same time. And they're in a story that's super compelling and all the moving parts have so much attention paid to them. And a guy like Kurt Angle brings in the athletics too, like in spade, he's got everything like Olympic gold medalist, like what more do you want? Right. And so when he comes in and has all these like fine tuned details and they can hand him a, a script for a promo and he can go deliver it perfectly as him, not just the page, which is a problem that I think a lot of more people are having nowadays of, you know, or at least the last 10 years, let's say. And uh, that, that I think is really cool. But you also reference something where that connection to uh, like a move set, because wrestlers have move sets, like they typically have like finishing moves, they have signature moves, they more often than not do more than five of them. And like, it's, it's this thing of like, well, how do they portray themselves? What do they do? And what do they do is pretty cool. I, I not to ramble too much because I, I think this is a, a very good point that can bring us back to like the individual characters and what draws you to them of I've mentioned before, I love comparing wrestling to video games. Yeah. And if you have, a, if anybody plays video games out there, which I'm sure some of you do, they're like a fighting game when you have a character selection screen. And if you go through each character and play the game over and over again, you learn that yeah, there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences and a lot of very unique things that certain characters can do that others can't. And you will have your favorites. And why? Because you like their moveset. You might just like the way they look. You might like the way the move looks, whatever. You might like it because they win. They're more powerful. They're less powerful. You're rooting for the underdog. Whatever the case may be, like things like that draw you to individuals and going back to Kurt Angle I promise this is not a Kurt Angle episode but it's easy because like I also grew up watching Kurt Angle and being drawn to Kurt Angle and he hit so many of the points that I'm talking about of he won he had cool moves that looked awesome like the, the way he delivered suplexes to people and to everybody like he suplexed the big show he suplexed the rock he suplexed Stone Cold right like suplex Rey Mysterio across the board could suplex anybody yeah you know the angle lock the moonsault like all these different things that he could do were so cool and they looked so fluid every single time i never broke immersion of no suspension of disbelief was needed watching a kurt angle match yeah and that was so awesome yeah and, and kurt kurt specifically is so good at that 
because you know you look at his background and you look at you look at how he came up into the world of wrestling and the wrestling he did before that you know it's just this thing that he's always really understood even on like the competitive level before it was you know playing wrestling on tv where he just was always very fluid and very uh good at being aggressive in the right places and it translated really well he was able to understand things like uh physical momentum and he very well understood how his body worked and how the bodies of the people he was in the ring with worked and how to go about best transitioning from one place to the next. The- and getting a little like stopping if I'm wrong here, but I can see the parallels and I know you have been older and, and more time has passed, obviously. So what you're seeing and how you're critiquing are different, but I can see the parallels there with, with Naito of you have, he's, so skilled in the ring he's not an olympian okay but he's incredibly talented he does what he does well very fluid movements and and also on the flip side like he is a unique character he cuts promos in a very specific way i understand there's a language barrier there but still um and also the storylines that he's involved in are things that you can be drawn to where uh, maybe you don't necessarily relate to them because I don't ever, ever think I related to Kurt Angle, but I understood them. And yeah. these were things that evoked uh, emotional responses. And I think Naito similarly has that. Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, the two of them are definitely like two sides of the same coin where one has a lot more of the emphasis on the in-ring like athleticism, uh, not to take anything away from Kurt Angle's like character or anything like that, because we've we, you know, just been talking about it. But he has this focus, and even his character is focused on the in-ring athleticism, and the things he does are focused on what he can do in the ring and what he does and why he's the best. And Naito is the, like I said, he's the other side of that coin, where instead, everything he does in the ring is focused on who he is. His character and the portrayal of himself and the way that he is understood and presented, and in, even just interacts with other people on the roster, is all sort of encapsulated in what he does in the ring. The way he moves, the moves he chooses to use, the way he uses those moves, where he implements them. And I think New, New Japan specifically is a really good place where a guy like Naito can do something like that uh, because it sets him apart and makes him feel even more unique than a lot of the other guys in that company do, not to take anything away from them. Uh, one of the things that you said was how, you know, you like to say wrestling is, is kind of like a video game. And I, I agree. Uh, I think that the individual wrestlers are like video game characters, like you said, and they have their own moves. And even if the, you know, control scheme is the same for everyone, what you do and how you do it is different depending on what character you pick. And, Wrestling overall is more like an anime uh, in the way that they present and resolve and do stories. And you see that nowhere more so than like New Japan. But you see that kind of everywhere where they allow who the character is and how they do what they do to always be such a big part of everything that surrounds them. 
Yeah, and of course, like talking about those two people in particular, I promise we're going to get off of these two people because <laughs> like, there's so many more people to talk about. And I do yes. want to bring up some names that maybe we've never really talked about before. Oh, hell yeah. Because uh, I think that would be cool to do. Um, so many names but, to bring up today. <laughs> yeah, you, and we can go older and we can go contemporary, you know, whichever way you want to go. But this is a thing where, you know, the nuance of how stories are told obviously affect the people and how they're telling those stories like you're talking about wwe from the early 2000s versus new japan from the mid 2010s so these are two incredibly different companies in different parts of the world at different time periods yeah so like a lot is going to be different and so you have to understand how those characters are going to be portrayed we don't talk about new japan in the early 2000s no we do not (laughs) new japan doesn't talk about new japan correct yeah yeah um but for all of that, like, you know, we talk about AEW a lot. We talk about WWE a lot. Um, you know, is there somebody from right now besides Naito? Like, you could pick a company. You could still stay in New Japan if you want to. But is there somebody else in that company that you remember? And I don't just mean New Japan. In the wrestling landscape of right now that you are currently, you'd say you are a fan of. That you remember becoming a fan of them. Uh, yeah, doesn't take me more than two seconds. Uh, Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen are like two people I can awesome. bring up right now. Those the, are two great names. Yeah, and the reason I, I say two is because one one is a little more muddled only because, you know, I, I was a huge indie head uh, for a long time in my youth, and so I was exposed to Eddie Kingston a lot. And it was one of those things where, you know, it, sometimes you don't, you don't recognize the exact moment when they get you, but you're like, oh, yeah after a while and then looking back it's like okay and eddie kingston's like that for me i saw him a bunch yeah. but darby allen is the opposite darby allen's a guy who i had never been exposed to before aew really maybe like once or twice at an indie show but like nowhere that i was really aware of or thought about and then you know he comes into aew and i remember the first time that they they have like darby allen existing and there's this whole like you know he does his whole shtick and they do the, the like, very edgy, dark, like, promo package for him. And then he comes out, and he's in the, like, ripped, short, short, like, day, almost Daisy Dukes. And the, like, tights underneath. And I'm like, my goodness. I spent a good, like, five minutes joking about this this kid. And I'm like, this is amazing. And not to shame anyone, like... Everyone is into what they're into, and that's fine. But it very much was just screaming Hot Topic at me very loudly. And within, like, ten minutes, I'm just like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. Yeah, Eddie Kingston's a guy. I'm going to go to Eddie first. Yeah, let's do it. He's, he's totally a guy that uh, fits the bill for me, because... I didn't know him. I knew nothing about Eddie Kingston going into AEW. And so he shows up and the whole history with John Moxley thing and all that stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea. And then he gets a title match against Moxley, who's the world champion at the time. And I'm like, this is such a waste. This is a waste of time. This is like, Moxley's going to beat him. And you know what? For a while, I was legit just like, I don't care about Eddie Kingston. I just don't. It took him a while to win me over. But then once he did, it just, I think it was the consistency. And I think it was that 
you know, one being a New Yorker, just saying like, all right, cool, I get it. But then the the realness of it, because he doesn't fit the bill for me at all when it comes to moveset. He just doesn't. He's not a my style type of guy. And that's fine. That's fine. I've been fans of plenty of wrestlers when it's not the moveset. I mean, yeah, he, again, all the love in the world to Eddie Kingston. He wrestles like a like a New York street fighter who also watched yeah. J- Japanese wrestling when he was younger. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But after a while, I think after the Moxley feud, you got to a point with Eddie where he was cutting promos and just talking. And I think I hit the point where it just clicked for me of like, they just handed this guy a mic and he's just talking. And this is effortless this feels so effortless i'm not saying it is effortless i'm not going to pretend i know what it takes to do eddie kingston's shop but wow i'm i'm actually a little bit in awe right now of what i'm witnessing because i've seen people stumble and fall so much on the mic and that's fine you know you gotta learn cool right it's not easy and fear of public speaking is a very real thing for so many people yeah that i understand um but Eddie, Eddie's killing it. Okay. All right, cool. Maybe I'm still not like the biggest fan of all of his matches, but then he'll have like some special ones, some really special ones. And, uh, you know, now of course he's got the one with Punk and he got the one with Jericho. But even before that, he was having matches where I, I eventually hit the point of, oh, okay. All right. He needed to find his role here. Like, he was still Eddie Kingston. Like, I don't think the Eddie Kingston part has changed at all, but the who Eddie Kingston is in the landscape of AEW had to be found. Yeah. I was and, say, and then he found it. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think Eddie Kingston, uh, uh, the Eddie Kingstonness of Eddie Kingston has ever changed throughout the course of his career, save maybe the time he and Cesaro were used car salesmen. Okay. I got to look <laughs> that up. Yes. Yes, you do. <clears throat> But yeah, like, so then, then we go to Darby and Darby's a guy where I look at him and I, I agree with you completely of, of the thing at the beginning of you could, all right, kid, you're going to be a professional wrestler. You're going to go out there in front of probably hundreds, then thousands, then maybe millions of people. You can be whoever you want to be. Why did you pick this? <laughs> right? Like, yep. you're a mixed a mannequin from hot topic who put the face paint of the i like turtles kid on and (laughs) it's just what why and i i I appreciate all the people who come out and are like well i was a fan of so and so when i was younger and so therefore i'm gonna emulate them to the best of my ability that's cool i think it's overdone sometimes sure but Darby's one of those guys of like, well, I watched Jeff Hardy jump off of things and almost die. I could do that. Okay. And I'm still not like the biggest fan of Darby Allen. I respect Darby Allen, but I'm not like the biggest fan of his, but I understand why people are. Yeah, I think like people say this a lot and I, I try not to say it too often, but I think Darby just gets it, right? And he he definitely has this and again, the parallel between him and Eddie Kingston is the refusal to, and, and this kind of goes back to Naito also in a way, the refusal to be anyone else, right? There's this very specific thing that some of these people have, and Darby is a really good example of this, like Eddie, 
where it's like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to get over. And if I don't get over this way, then you guys are wrong. But but this is who I am and this is what I do. And everything I do is going to encapsulate that. And for Eddie, like we said, it's a street fighting New York guy with a, a hell of a temper who understands himself really well and was a huge fan of Japanese wrestling. And for Darby, it's I am an adrenaline <laughs> junkie who wants to cosplay being a bullet as often as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that stops me from being a complete fan of guys like Darby or uh, Will Ospreay or Kota Ibushi, who are I think are incredibly talented people. Don't get me wrong, but they have that thing of the. Um, the uh, to quote jbl the the driver like you stole it yeah right they, they've got that you know i'm here for a good time not a long time and i'm like oh but we've seen what happens when you do that and it's not good so like it scares me and i think that's a part of why i'm like okay do it the safe way <laughs> but but still like uh, I again I appreciate it. I, I'm always gonna say that I appreciate it. And you know, going off of that to uh again what you were talking about and like that uh that level of like authenticity to yourself and, and like who you are and who your character is and things like that. I think that there's um the best ones are ones that are a little selfless with it too. And I don't mean like compromising yourself. I think a piece of uh, what draws me to some wrestlers is that you can tell when they go out there and, and uh, I'll, I'll bring up some people that I know you like. Because uh, they said it on Renee's podcast recently, uh, FTR. They brought up the thing of like, sometimes the best way to be a heel is just let the baby face get all their stuff in and then beat them. And it's not about, oh, I have to get all my stuff in. It's no, 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 no. Like uh, the best people who, who work a certain style are going to go out there and say, no, no, no. Well, my style is this, but what's yours? And how do we both work with each other where if I do this move, it's not just, oh, I stop you, do the move, I win. It's, well, you're working this type of style so i can do this to this to this to this and then i get my move in and then you get your move in and then i get my move in and then i'll win and things like that where you can tell over the course of decades watching wrestling who does that you know and a name another name i'll throw out there just throwing out some names i I wouldn't say i'm like a gigantic fan of this guy's entire career but like i've come to really appreciate him and that's Randy Orton. Yeah. And he's a guy, when he was younger, I would not say he was one of those people. No. But I think he's really become one of those people where he is going out there and if he's learned to kind of appreciate what he has and where he is and say, okay, cool. Like, we're going to go out there and all I really need to do is hit an RKO and I'm fine. <laughs> that's all I got to do. We can go have a good time for the rest of this match and it's all gravy to me guys let's go and i i like people who do that and some people have been doing that for years and i think eddie kingston is a guy who maybe he hasn't done it the entire time i couldn't tell you but at least now in aw i started seeing that consistently and it won me over yeah eddie eddie has always come off to me as kind of a guy 
who um would always be willing to to do that as long as he was given the opportunity to have the space to do that, I guess is the best way to put it, right? Like, you can't get people over if you're not over, right? Like, it just doesn't work. So, so Eddie Kingston was that guy who, like, you know, like you said, he went on the mic and he just talked, and a lot of what he said was authentic, right? Uh, Eddie Kingston's career and the trials and tribulations of it are pretty well documented. A lot of people will talk about it very openly. Not a lot of people mince words when it comes to Eddie Kingston, and a lot of people, um, you saw it during the, like, CM Punk Eddie Kingston feud, where a lot of the things he said are things people have said about Eddie for years. You could have been a person, but you couldn't shut the fuck up. You could have been someone, but you couldn't stop getting in your own way. And Eddie, I think, now is, is and this is another reason why I love him so much, uh, has done a lot of work towards getting himself to a place where he can be one of those guys. And so now in AEW, he is, right? He, he does get the chance to really do that and get other people over um on a wider scale uh you brought up like ftr and the the thing about being heels right one of the things i hear most from like wrestlers uh whether it be on like interviews podcasts wherever uh is everyone likes being a heel more because it's way easier all you have to do is insult people get the hell kicked out of you and then win anyway and that's it. That's the whole job being a heel. And I, I think that obviously it's oversimplified, but I think that rings true where, you know, that that's such a big part of it. And the best heels will always be the guys who are like, okay, cool. How can I help you for that exact reason? And to that point, like not to be too obvious with anything, because like, you know, there's obvious things that people can do that make you not like them. And I'm not talking <laughs> as a heel, but, um, it just in general, like we're talking about things that draw you to certain people. Are there any like big turnoffs that you have where it's just, again, not like, oh, well, this person behind the scenes is a real asshole. I, I mean, like in terms of they come out, it's I don't like the look. I don't like the music. I don't like the moves. I They have a terrible finisher. They're, you know, I, I mean, they could just be bad in the ring. That's always a thing, I guess. But besides that, like they're what? who's i uh, do not have to single out anybody but like what would take somebody that maybe is a fan favorite for a lot of people and you just go like eh oh that's that's a tougher question to answer um i could single out something right now because i oh, know it applies please. to what okay. i'm talking about and that's the undisputed era with adam cole oh man okay you know what you're right yeah thank you for bringing that up that's fair um it, it's weird for the undisputed era for me because uh, I've said this before on our on our other episodes where I love all the pieces. Every single one of these, these guys, I'm a huge fan of. Love Adam Cole, love uh, Roddy, love Red Dragon. I think they all do great work. And not just Red Dragon, but like Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish separately also have put in great matches, have had great matches with each other, against other people the whole way through. But they came together, and they were a very WWE team. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, they followed this very traditional heel format, right? Where it's like, the numbers game is a big deal. Uh, we're the best. And sometimes they will prove it, which is great. But other times it's just like, well, this is easy, so let's do this instead. 
and that's fine for pulling heat, but it gets to a point where after a number of years, you've gone as far as you can go. Um, and, you know, there were some times where they were kind of the faces in the stories they were in-ish, but ultimately, I, I feel like they accomplished everything they could collectively, and at that point, they, they cease to be interesting. There's nothing compelling about it. So even though their in-ring style doesn't have to change, their personalities don't have to change, ultimately, the fact that, uh, like we said, like, well, like I said earlier, organic development and progression is so important in the business and in storytelling anywhere and they're they're just stagnant now because they've reached a conclusion but won't finish it's um to 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 kind of nerd out a little bit uh because i do this from time to time it's it's like running a a D campaign where you've beaten the big bad and now it's like okay cool this is where we should wrap the campaign well, you know, there's five more levels. Let's let's just keep playing until we hit like level twenty, and then we can call it then. And it it ceases to really be fun because you don't have anything pushing you anymore. There's no motivations. Bad guy's gone. The the problem is solved. We generally by that point, all of the like personal player quests have been resolved. So you just exist, and that's just not as interesting or or fun to play or watch that's fair it's a, it's a fair point and i understand it for certain aspects of it but it is more of like the narrative thing in this case as opposed to any of the individuals right yeah yeah um, absolutely you know like from from my end i i agree with you like i'll echo the sentiment obviously of if if a story does not resonate with me for whatever reason and there's a plethora of reasons why a story would not resonate with me grew up watching wwe in the 2000s like come on there's so many i'll throw up bad distasteful stories that they had on tv all the time that i saw that i just said why am i watching this um but for the in-ring aspect of it i'll bring up the young bucks as a team that i think like uh, you know the young bucks are great I'm, i'm not i'm not here to trash the young bucks Young Bucks have had their fair share of detractors. And one of the points that, and for me, somebody who didn't always watch them because they weren't in WWE and I had a very WWE centric lens for a long time. The big detraction was a lot of their matches get very formulaic. It's the, all right, we're going to do the same spots into the same things. Everything's going to look more like a circus of we've rehearsed this Everybody has to be in this spot at this time, da, 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 all that stuff. Go through the motions, you know, super kick party, Meltzer driver, we win. Mm-hmm. Even after like, you know, 25 minutes in the Tokyo Dome, it's a five-star match. Okay. And that's a thing that I understand. I, I understand that viewpoint, especially after watching some of their matches that I think are legitimately five-star classics where it's you are capable of so much more than this. Yeah. Why did you put it on cruise control for this? And I understand it for like TV matches, random like dynamite episode. Okay, fine. And not to talk shit about the young bucks really. Cause like, it's just an easy example that I think a lot of people have probably heard. Mm-hmm. That is something that does make me like, not like someone as much. That is something that I would levy against Randy Orton from like 2009 where it is the, all right, you hit this phase where 
you are still kind of in your physical prime. You can do so much. You just don't. And you're not really trying to. And the way you carry yourself makes it seem like, well, I'm giving you the best. And yet you're not. I can tell you're not. And I can tell like the people in the ring are kind of like, eh, why am I working with you? And I, I think, again, I, I said it before, like it's immersion breaking. Yeah. And I think anything that pops in the ring as like immersion breaking for me, like not talking about injuries or mistakes or whatever, but like actual you, this is because of you and this could be different. That's something that usually like dissuades me from being a big fan of somebody. That's fair. Um, if I, I so as you're as you're talking, I'm like sitting here and I'm thinking about, uh, like like what you're you're mentioning. And there's a couple names that do come to mind. Um, most of them are, uh, maybe not today, but some of them are. Uh, and some of them are are from that like mid two thousands period. Um, so and and some of them you will notice have something in common. So just throwing out a couple names. Uh. Starting with two guys who I, or three guys, who I actually really, really enjoy until they get in the ring. Um, whether that be just their promo work or the way that they do certain things, but they aren't the complete package. Because once they get into a wrestling ring, it just falls apart for me. Um, Batista. Uh-huh. I love Batista's uh, uh, ability to present himself. Um, and I'll admit that during the time when he was active, I absolutely missed the boat, right? Like, because at the time I was so married to like in ring talent, it was such a big thing for me. So when Batista was wrestling, it was very formulaic. It was like you said, it was very much the same match over, hit these spots, do these big moves and that's it. And that's not interesting most of the time. And for a powerhouse guy, that's even less interesting because there's there's no prowess to it, really. It's, I picked them up, I put them down. And Batista was kind of the, the stereotypical that, even at, like, the height of his career. Now, with that said, Batista as a person seems like a great person. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of the storylines he was in. I mean, the whole thing with the, like, Death of Evolution and his role in that was fantastic. Uh, and... Everything that came after that was really good, uh, and hell, I'll even throw throw a little love to Deacon Bautista. I loved I loved Deacon Bautista. That was great, um, but but put him in the ring, and I immediately lose interest. Can't do it. Um, but but even the way he loves the business, I love the way he loves the business and how he respects it and how it shows. Can't do it. Uh, another guy in the same vein is Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin's a guy who even less so than Bautista because I don't love him. Like I don't love his promos. And he's a guy who, for a long time, and I don't think it's true anymore, just from the way he, he's been doing things, he didn't really care about the business, right? He was a, a football guy who couldn't football anymore, and they went, hey, you look the part. Do you want to be a wrestler? And he's like, well, I need a paycheck. And it felt that way for a long time. And so there just wasn't a lot to love about Corbin. He had a cool look, and I liked his finisher, and that was about it. I don't know. I liked, I liked the weird tattoo thing he had i thought it was cool uh but anyway you know he shaves his head which i think was a great move and as he's he's progressed i still don't love the character and i still don't love a lot of anything he does in the ring but i really appreciate and enjoy the way that he works a crowd 
that's one thing I can absolutely say is even with like bad bad scripts, bad acting, bad like ring psychology, he gets the fans and he gets how to make them hate him. And we can argue till the cows come home about go away heat versus like good heat, but I I think he knows how to convert one to the other, which I think is really good. Uh, regardless of which way it ends up going. Uh, another name on that list is Sheamus. I have never seen a Sheamus match I've enjoyed ever. Not a single one. Not even what the seventeen second one? No, not one time. <laughs> I can't. Honestly, I can't. I'll, I'll throw this in here just because it's such a weird thing. One of my favorite Sheamus uh, feuds and matches was surprisingly against the Big Show. Really? Yeah. He's regardless yeah. with the tail. Uh, it's not something to go into like immensely, but they had, uh, I think it was on SmackDown when there was still kind of like the half-assed brand split and they actually had a pretty good feud and the match itself was played into the whole point of the match was, and the feud going into it was, uh, well, I do the bro kick and I put everybody down with the bro kick and Big Show's like, my one punch does more damage than your kick and it's easier to do. And they even did a thing on SmackDown where they brought out one of like the like the boxing punching machines of like yeah. how much pressure it hits. And Sheamus like bro kicks it to hell, and Big Show just goes like punch, and it spikes for Big Show. And then the match itself was literally like Sheamus like I'm gonna bro kick you, I'm gonna bro kick you, and Big Show just like ducks it and just like punches him in the face and knocks him out. And I'm like. It, it and it was a longer match than just that, but yeah. it was built around a very clear story of this is what it is this has been my Seamus tangent and the one main thing that I really like about Seamus besides that I'm kind of on the same page as you like I have nothing bad to say really about Seamus but you know he never really moved the needle for me yeah it's pretty funny that you bring that up so I'll agree with you that it's a really good example of how to tell a very simple story in wrestling but also I do I didn't remember it when you first started talking about it and then you, you the the kick versus the punch and then I remembered it, and the first thing that came to my mind was, man, I hated that entire sp- uh, plot. From the, the, the like weekly pieces to the match, to I hated it. That was stupid. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, and, and that's fair. Like, that's yeah. totally fair. Because this also was one of those, like, throwaway things that they were doing in that time period yeah. of, we have two titles. One of them really matters. The other one really doesn't. And I was entertained by it at the time. And I remember aspects of it from that time. But I'm never going to sit here and tell you, like, well, that made me a fan of him. It was a five-star classic match. It was, you know, like, the best thing he ever did. It was whatever. Like, he, he's had far better matches with other people. Like, I, he had matches with Daniel Bryan. Like, come on, you know. That's true. He has had plenty of people to carry him to a good match. Fair. It's fair. Like I've, and it's the same thing about Batista, right? Like, yeah, you know, I'm probably higher on Batista than you are because I was somebody who watched SmackDown during that time period of like him coming over and having all those matches with like the undertaker and stuff. Oh yeah. I remember those. They were great matches. I Yeah. But Batista is very much one of those guys. It was like, it only really clicked when he was in the ring with certain people. Yep. And eventually you turn into like looking at things like that and going, 
oh okay it was because of them not because of you yeah exactly and the the batista undertaker matches i think just top of my head so don't quote me on this but not like it's being recorded or anything but i think i think the undertaker batista match is probably batista's best match uh not counting triple h batista like in his retirement match but taker batista was a very good match and it had nothing to do with batista that was yeah, a WrestleMania I mean, match, right? That was the WrestleMania. Well, they one. they feuded like that whole year. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But so, I, th- I I think unless I'm remembering wrong, I think that WrestleMania match was a good match. Oh, it was a very good match. Yeah. It was arguably the best match on that WrestleMania. If I remember correctly, that's not saying much. But... <laughs> uh, it wasn't a bad Mania, but it wasn't a great one. Okay, that was the uh, 23. Yeah, for anybody who wants okay. to look it up. But uh, yeah, the the main event was uh, Shawn Michaels, John Cena. Yeah. In the one where they had the much better one after it on Raw. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so so there's pieces of this, right? Like that you're saying of, well, there's a piece missing for this guy. There's a piece missing for this guy. It's an element of like, I do like aspects of this. Either you, uh, you know, you've referenced parts of it. Like you have the look, you know, I, I also want to bring in aspects of it too. Of like for Batista, especially you got the music. You got the entrance. Oh, yeah. His his music was amazing. Right? And, like, come on, guys. Like, that is that is one way to make me a fan of you. Yeah. Is have an awesome kick-ass theme song or entrance or both. And yeah. I don't need pyro anymore. I'm not a kid who has to have pyro in every entrance. But sometimes, you know, in the right way, it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> And for things like that, you you know, it, it's like pieces of the puzzle. And I don't know if you could like weigh them at all and say like, well, I'm good with it until this point. And if you don't have this, then I just, eh. Like there have been people who have had like bad finishers. <laughs> and yeah. unfortunately that's the case. Like, like MVP was one of those guys for a long time. Oh where, man. Yeah. Oh, talk about top tier terrible finishers you know it, it, but he's a guy where it was like even back in the day i was like i like mvp right i'm i'm interested in mvp but i just don't buy that he wins these matches with this move yeah yeah and it it definitely did like prevent me from being a huge mvp fan until much later in his career um another person i wanted to bring up real quick and i, I won't like harp on them um because i think it's a very different person from from these three names is christian Christian's another guy who there were times I liked him because he was a heel and not because of anything he did. But again, I've never watched a Christian singles match that has been focused on Christian and gone. I like this match because of him ever. That's very fair and segues perfectly into something else I wanted to ask you about and talk about. And that, uh, you know, we could go back to FTR in a minute, but uh, tag teams and factions. I love tag teams and I love factions. Factions a little bit less so because they're not always presented as well. Uh, they usually get very tropey very, <sighs> very fast. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah, where it's the here's your fall guy, here's your leader, here's your tag team, here's the one person who is always just a manager or unfortunately sometimes a woman. Yep. And that's, you know, how that works out and that's a presentation thing but um 
I love the idea of, and, and you could be main eventers and still do this. It still works. Of just, we're actually cool with each other. Like we don't have to fight each other. We're both really good. Let's go beat people up and win. Yep. And for the faction one, sometimes it's, I love the thing of just, Oh, all right, cool. Like we have a, somebody has a singles match from our faction. The rest of us are just like, yeah, go get them. Like go win, like represent the faction. Like I love things like that. And sometimes it gets done really well. Other times, not as much, but uh, for tag teams, like edge and Christian, I loved edge and Christian when they split up, I was upset, but then I became a fan of edge because edge was the guy where I felt like he, he checked all the boxes of he plays so well off of his opponents he i love his move set especially when he started incorporating the spear um you know and, and submission holds too and uh the storylines he got involved in it always felt like they had organic storytelling of this guy is either this baby face who's finally making it or this just absolute asshole opportunist heel who will do anything to win one way or the other just it always made sense with him yes and i think i think that's a really good reason why uh he's as over as he is and why his career renaissance is is as powerful as it is now is because he's always been this very gradual very organically evolving person and even when we kind of went from oh okay wait he's a bad guy now which came from some real life stuff but man what a great job he did of not losing his core personality in making that turn but still becoming an entirely different person which i thought was very 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 cool and i think what draws people to not only just edge but um like so many other teams out there is that you get to uh, yeah some it goes two different ways with this like we've talked before about like how tag teams are constructed generally it's either like you know two very different people or twins yeah yeah it's one or the other and for the case of twins it's usually both of you doing the same thing really well and for the case of the two different it's the okay well one of you does this really well and the other one does that really well and you get to play off each other and that's cool. Like either way, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, two. Uh, this brings me into something else I wanted to mention about this. So, two tag teams who fit those bills very well are the Usos and the New Day, right? Which are <laughs> yeah, exactly who I was thinking about. Yeah, because they're perfect. They're perfect. Yeah. The Usos and I love, love both of them. Yeah, same. And they have such the so the Usos are literally just like a Xerox of the same person, right? When it comes to their like move set in the ring. The way that they move and the way that they do things and what they do are the exact same. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, and then the New Day is, is the opposite of that, where you've got, like, if we do the traditional tag team of, like, Biggie and Kofi, then you've got these two guys who are doing these incredibly contrasting styles. And they happen to be involved in one of my favorite m- moments in, like, modern wrestling, which was, you know, the... For, you know, a long time, they had been feuding and they had been having these matches and they they had a moment where they just came out on TV and were like, listen, we have to be on this show together. We have to wrestle other people. We can't keep doing this. So we're going to we're going to like call a truce. 
go our own ways and be done. And they, it was. And it's one of the few times in, like, modern WWE where they remembered something long-term. And then we get to, like, Kofi Mania, and it's like, okay, you've got to go through all these tag teams. And they're just, like, desperately fighting by the seat of their pants. And they are broken down. And the Usos come out. And they look at them. And they're still heels at this point. The Usos were still bad guys. Look at them and they go, nah, we good. We, we, we're good. And they leave. And I love that. What an incredible moment in, for, like, the perfect example of storytelling and wrestling. Dealing with, like, tag teams and how they interact with themselves and each other. And for the New Day in particular, they're ones that I became a fan of them collectively as a group, more so than I ever was of any of the individual parts, mm-hmm. right? And a big piece of that is because of, like, the details. Like, they became so detail-oriented in everything they did, from, like, the entrance, the attire. Like, you know, go back to any point in time with them and just look at their entrance attire. They have so much detail put into it about, like, their individualities, their collective past and wrestling all of that stuff you know obviously uh Austin Creed Xavier Woods you know all the stuff that he does with up up downtown and video games and stuff I love all of that and being able to see them grow together as a group I, I love stuff like that and that's the the organic I know you love the word but like it's that organic growth not just storytelling but like growth over time and that's something that maybe I'm not on board day one, but eventually, like, if you keep doing it long enough, you will win me over. Eddie Kingston did that. The New Day has done that. So many other people have done that over time. And another thing that the New Day has really working in their favor that a lot of tag teams don't is most tag teams, like you said, are either, okay, we just are a package deal already, or guy A, guy B, and then through circumstances they're kind of brought together and are sort of forced to continue to work together forced or by their choice either way the new day is so unique in that their presentation almost from the beginning if we ignore the first like introduction of the new day and and deal more with like them as a whole is three guys who came together and said hey here are things that we enjoy it makes perfect sense that we'd be cool with each other. Let's be cool with each other. And like, even when they were heels, right? Uh, uh, that was still kind of true where it was the three of them came together and were like, Hey, we would work well together because, because we all kind of share the, the circle, the Venn diagram sits in the same place. We, uh, we should do this. And then they did. And they have been ever since. It's awesome. And for the Usos, they're more on the uh, akin to the Eddie Kingston thing for me, again, of the, the consistency. They were just been around for long enough that maybe I wasn't a big fan. I felt they were very generic when they first came in and they, they were, but eventually it just became the thing of, no, they're still around. They're still there. They're still putting on good matches. They're getting more opportunities. They're winning and winning does play a role in some of this, some of the time, because you can't just always lose. And unless you're telling a story about how you're always losing, mm-hmm. uh, which rarely happens and rarely is done well, um, eventually you just get to the point where you're looking and it's it's the opposite of the Batista thing, of the like 
wait, no, it's you. You're the ones who are always having good matches with people. You're the ones who are always going out there and entertaining me. I like you. And that's definitely the Usos for me. Like, I, they've, you know, done such great work for so many years. Oh, yeah. I, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. But not the best tag team ever. That's FTR. That's FTR and always will be. Oh, wow. And always will be. And always will be. <laughs> All right, future Drake. <laughs> we will see. Not me in, in like 10 years looking back and going, that guy liked FTR. <laughs> uh, when the varsity blondes eclipse this. Oh my I don't know. We'll see. The varsity blondes will eclipse FTR's run the same time that we finally resolve the storyline with uh, the dear Miss Hart. And on that note. <laughs> No, I've enjoyed this conversation. I like it. I think it's cast some great insight into just even just like digging a little bit deeper than the surface of, you know, what drives you to like what you like, right? And that's a big part of this because if if we can understand that, then they can understand that. And hopefully they do understand that uh, because they'll put it on TV and then you'll get more things that you like. And that's always good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I think that's where we're going to wrap this episode. This has been so much fun. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, I hope everyone else enjoys this as well, uh, because we're going to have a lot more of these coming. But next time that we talk to people, it's going to be about WrestleMania Backlash. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. Join us on Tuesday as we drop the episode where we talk about WrestleMania Backlash, which hopefully will not be us talking about wrestlemania again <laughs> so no promises uh, no promises but uh thanks for sticking with us uh please hit us up give us like share comment subscribe let us know what you think of the new format of this episode let us know if you have any questions or anything you'd like to hear us talk about because you know we love you and that's something we absolutely want to do uh so thanks so much for listening and uh remember there's no wrong answer when it comes to who your favorite wrestler is. Unless it's Goldberg, then you're just objectively wrong. Have a good night.